our children are watching us. Even if they're, you know, out of the house, if they've left the nest, they're watching us. And what better message can we send than to pursue our own dreams? Like what, um, imagine what they're seeing and what they're feeling, knowing that their mom or their dad or their caregiver is, is doing something for them, is taking care of themselves. If you set a goal and you actually follow through with it, that feels great. And that has a ripple effect in its own way too. It doesn't have to be, you know, I want to do this crazy, humongous project. It can be something very, very simple. And our kids are watching us and they, they're they learning from us too. And we want them to walk into their own truth and walk into their own dreams and and pursue those. So they'll we can talk about it as much as we want, but unless we're actually doing it, actions speak louder than words. Hey, I'm Megs and welcome to the Free To Be You podcast. I am an identity and alignment coach who is passionate about helping you move into the second chapter of your life as the freest, most self-expressed version of who you really are. If there's one thing I know for sure, it's that when you decide to go on this journey and rediscover you, you are going to need people around you who are going to encourage you to keep moving forward and keep choosing yourself. I have created a free community of women who are doing just that. It's called the Freed to Rediscover You group. It's over on Facebook. The link is in the show notes below this episode. I would love to see you there. I would love to support you on your journey to moving through self-abandonment and into full self-expression. My guest today is Melanie Garo. She is a teacher who lost one of her students to suicide and it shattered her heart. That's when she turned to writing as a therapeutic outlet. Throughout her journey, she was inspired by the resilience and courage of her students who were not only dealing with the loss of their friend and peer, but also dealing with everything else a teenager contends with on a daily basis. Why Me, Why Now was born out of Melanie's desire for every teen to know their worth, strength and brilliance. Mel, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, not just to talk about your book, but to hear your story and for you to inspire uh, the women listening with you stepping into this brave new venture of writing an amazing book. Mm -hmm. So I know that, yeah, and this is something that I have been stepping into myself over the last sort of six months, but I've been writing for six years, but really stepping into it. So you've inspired me before we even started this conversation. So welcome. I would love to hear a little bit about you and, uh, you know, where you're living and a little bit about how you got to where you are now. Okay. It sounds good. Uh, You can probably tell from my accent that I'm not Australian. (laughs) I am from Canada. (laughs) I live in the Canadian prairies in the province of Saskatchewan. Uh, I am a teacher who became a principal and who is now working as an educational consultant for my school division, which is a new to me position. So uh, a new challenge for me this year, but I'm all I'm all about it. Uh, I wear many hats. Um, I am a mother. I have got three kids. Uh, I married my high school sweetheart, and we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Um, And I am a brand new author. I published my first book in August of this year. So uh, it's a it's it finally hit the shelves. And I'm so proud. 
You should be so proud. I mean, it's it's something that's not for the faint-hearted. I feel like we all have a book in us somewhere, but it's only the brave of us that actually put it out in the world. And yours is a very powerful story and about how that book came about, more importantly, Mm -hmm. but the work that you're doing with teenagers in particular. So my audience is mums mainly, women over 40, and at at this stage in our life our kids are growing up. I have actually got six teenagers. (laughs) I had to count them. That's how many there is in my care. And, you know, the thing is that as they get older they tend to get quieter. And Mm -hmm. that can be challenging, especially when, you know, they, at one point you can't shut them up, right? (laughs) They just kind Mm -hmm. of go quiet and you ask them a question and the answers are short and non-existent sometimes. And so I really, before we kind of dig into, you know, the content of your book, can you tell me about why you started writing and what it was that that happened in your career as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a principal, that compelled you to share what you have? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Great question. Uh, so this all started in 2015. So you're talking about writing a book and it's taking a really long time. It took me a really long time uh, also. So in 2015, I was um, teaching and I had um, I had just gotten to work one one morning in the month of March, and I was preparing. I was at my computer, you know, prepping my day, uh, waiting for the students to arrive. And I noticed someone pull up to the school, and it was my one of my students, one of my grade ten students. He was sixteen years old, uh, and I thought it was strange that he was he was at school so early because it was about an hour before the buses arrived, but his mom worked at the school as the custodian. So I thought maybe he was there to help her with something. So I, I turned from the window, I went back to my work and a few moments later, I heard what sounded like a snowball being thrown at the window. Uh, In March, we still have a lot of snow here. So that could have, you know, that could have happened. Someone could have grabbed a snowball and thrown it at the window. So I looked, didn't see anyone, didn't see anything besides the car. Uh, So I went back to my work and a minute later, someone ran into my classroom and told me that my student had just taken his life outside of my, my classroom window by his car. Uh, The rest of that day felt like what you see in the movies, everything appeared to be going in slow motion. Um, I I was there when the mother of this this teenage boy learned the news of his his passing. Um, the students started to arrive off of the buses, so we were kind of in a, you know, we were the adults in the in the building were we had to. We had to make sure our students didn't see anything. Uh, I'm in a very small town, a very, very small town, and we don't have um, we don't have uh, policemen or um, paramedics or anything in town. So we waited a while before anyone showed up. Uh, it felt very surreal. Uh, 
we were all, all the adults, um, we, not by choice, but we had to be strong for these students. Um, the next day, I had to walk back into that school. And the day after, I had to walk back into that school. And what was my every day, the place I went to every day, suddenly didn't really feel safe anymore. So as a way to protect myself, to protect my my mental health and my well-being, I suppressed all my emotions. I ignored my feelings. I kind of, I, f- I feel like I, I, I didn't let myself think about what happened. I was on autopilot and I was, it was get through this day, get through this next day, be there for the students. Um, it was not a healthy way to deal with what had happened. I only realized years later. Uh, what happened also that was very interesting was that I became very, very hyper aware of how my other students were feeling. I was worried that I would miss, you know, a sign, um, a, a cry for help. I was hyper focused on their um, what they were telling me, what they weren't telling me, their body language. Um, I've had lots of students in my career as a teacher and later on as a principal who would come see me for, you know, some of the struggles that they were going through. And, uh, I became, it was, I was kind of obsessed with it. I feel like I, I, I didn't want to lose another student to suicide. Mm. Fast forward three years, uh, 2018, another young man in my community, died by suicide. And he happened to be my, he was a former student and he was my best friend's brother. And when he passed away, I spiraled back to, you know, the, the, the first suicide, um, all the feelings I didn't feel that first time came back with a vengeance and I had no choice, but to feel them. But I also decided at that point that, I was going to heal and I was going to navigate this tragedy in a different way. I wanted to process the emotions that I was feeling. I also am very grateful to be the type of person who um, I live and breathe personal growth and personal development. I'm always listening to podcasts, uh, listening to self-help books, um, audiobooks, and reading books. I'm so I, I knew that I needed to take control of the situation and process it differently than I did the first time. So what I decided to do was not to do therapy, which I should have done at that point. And I should have done the first time it happened. I didn't do therapy, but I did my own self-therapy by waking up in the morning and journaling. And it was a practice that uh, it was hard at at the beginning, it was hard because I would wake up at five in the morning, two hours before I had to start getting ready for work. I took out my journal. Some of the things I was journaling about were hard to journal about, but it was, I felt great. For the first time, I felt like I was doing something to, to heal, uh, to heal from what had happened. A few months later, I wanted to turn my morning practice into something that was more, uh, more geared towards helping teens because I was still working at the school. I still had a lot of students come see me with their struggles. 
And I started to uh, pull out my laptop in the morning and I would write down things that I would want to tell them. Uh, it kind of made me reflect on how I, I, I would deal with certain situations, how I would deal with certain challenges, what I would like to tell students that were going through certain challenges. And I was, I was writing them down. It was a big mess. Um, my, my, I had, it was on Google docs. I kept adding to it. There were no chapters at the beginning. Um, I just wrote for an entire year, almost daily. Well, during the week, during the work week, every day, weekends, I would sleep in. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, at the end of the year, I had something that was big enough uh, and I thought valuable enough to share. And I had this little voice in my head telling me, I need to publish this. I need to publish this. And I would ignore it out of fear. Uh, I didn't, when I started writing, I didn't think anyone would ever see what I had written. Uh, so I kind of brushed it off, but that voice got louder and louder and louder. And I, I couldn't really ignore it anymore. I didn't know it at the time, but COVID was coming <laughs> a few months later. So we were uh, we were heading towards a mental health crisis. And here I was sitting on a book uh, that could potentially help some of our teenagers. So I decided that I was going to bite the bullet and publish this book. Mm-hmm. Uh I had my my sisters involved. They were kind of my first um, editors. And then COVID happened and a new job happened. So in 2020, mm-hmm. I stepped into a principal role in my school. Um, it was it was fantastic. It was great, but it drained it drained me of my any creative energy I had. Mm. I was drained. I couldn't. I still woke up in the morning with the intention of, you know, working on this big project and I couldn't, I had, I had nothing left to give. All my energy went to my work. So for two whole years, uh, my book <laughs> collected dust on my computer. <laughs> it, oh, did, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> yes. I didn't touch it. Um, but I thought about it every single day. It was, it was annoying. I couldn't, I couldn't brush it off. I, yeah. I knew I needed to publish this book. So in December, um, just a few months, like last December, I uh, notified my employer that I was not going to be re- returning to principalship in this current school year. I would finish the year, but I was, I was done. And the instant I sent that letter, my it's like everything opened up again. I I was able to wake up in the morning and write. I was inspired again. I the publishing um process was was very well, I mean, it was very slow, but I it felt like it was quick. Like between the time I sent my letter and the time my uh, book hit the shelves was officially released, it was eight months. Mm, Uh, and that's with the, I got it, you know, edited and the book cover was done and all the formatting and everything. So, uh, that's how this, this book was, was brought to life. Um, now that it's out, 
Yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, before you go too much deeper into that until mm-hmm. now, I just want to go back a bit. I couldn't interrupt you because it's really difficult when someone's telling their story to know where to jump in, but there's so many things I want to dig into with you about that. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, what was it that made you journal about this? Like, what was, mm-hmm. where did that, was that something you always did or was was that something that came naturally to you or did you, I don't know, like where did you get that idea? Because like for me, I I have phases where I journal a lot and then I have phases where I don't touch it for whatever reason. Yes. Like this, you know. Um, but I do find that when I do journal, when I have wrote down my thoughts, that they become a lot more easier to process and mm-hmm. so what is that something that you've always done like from you know from an early age or is it something mm-hmm. like where did the idea come from I'm I'm a lot like you I go through seasons uh where journaling is easy and I go I go through phases where I I can't journal I can have my journal in front of me my pen in my hand and I I I can't get the words on the page um journaling I did dabble in journaling before uh, it wasn't something that I did regularly, but when I decided that I wanted to, that I wanted to do it daily, uh, I had to force myself. Uh, that was, that was after this, the second tragedy, like before Mm -hmm. then I I didn't take it as seriously and my journaling, I really tried to focus on, I just wanted to be, uh, I wanted to feel grounded. I wanted to feel well, (laughs) Uh, so my journaling was not about the suicides. Uh, it wasn't about the, the loss and the, the tragedy. I didn't journal about that. I journaled things that I was grateful for. I journaled about my, my dreams and my, you know, what do I want my life to look like? And that helped keep me grounded. So yeah, journaling is not, and even even now, I wake up. Uh, I have a, a really great morning routine. I um, I still wake up at five, but I I walk with my sister every morning, and uh, I'll come back and do my journaling. But I won't do it every day, and I yeah. wish I I wish I was I was disciplined enough to do it every morning. <laughs> uh, I but I, reason- I feel like. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like my, my walk in the morning with my sister is also very, uh, therapeutic for me. Mm. So I definitely don't want to change that. No, I guess the reason I ask that is because a lot of the time when we're going through something or we have an unsettling time in our life, or we're in some sort of transition, or we're just not feeling like we have clarity or our thoughts are jumbled, mm-hmm. the first thing we, do, we don't think to do is literally write that stuff down. Like it's going right. around and around and around. But yeah. when we do, it be- becomes something we, we can actually make sense of. And absolutely, that's, you know, what you s- explained is that started to see the, the power in your words and how that could help mm-hmm. other people. So I yes. love that. And that's a reason... Yeah, that's the reason why I decided to journal too, because a lot of the people I, lots of the influencers and the authors, uh, the podcasters, the people that I was listening to, uh, they they talked about 
the power of journaling and how all that that chaos in our mind, when we take the time to write it down, it takes away the control that those thoughts have on us because we we write it down and it doesn't seem as threatening. Like if you're able to uh, express how you're feeling on paper, it's a lot less scary. You know, yeah. it kind of takes it out of your mind. It it you know you put it on paper. You can do what you want with it after. I know lots lots of people will. Um, this is something I learned in a yoga retreat too. You can, I focus on the, on the positive and I was always taught to focus on the positive, but I know lots of people will write, they'll do a brain dump. They'll write anything that comes to mind, uh, all the bad stuff, all the good stuff, everything. And then they'll, once it's written down, it takes away the the control that those, those thoughts have on you. Yeah. So definitely. That's a, yeah. Yeah. I definitely yeah. knew that journaling would be powerful. So yeah. Yeah. And that's that self-reflection. So then mm-hmm. you mentioned after that, you mentioned about this little voice in your head. So you know me well. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I talk a lot about that. So, you know, we ha- we all we have multiple some of us have multiple voices. I was gonna say mm-hmm. we all do. Maybe, maybe I'm alone <laughs> in that, but we all some of us yeah. have more than one. Uh, but that voice that was pulling you to share this, the vo- the one that you were ignoring, can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I think we are all being guided all the time. And what's guiding us are our thoughts and our feelings. So um, I knew when I was when I was getting those thoughts, there was always a there was always a feeling associated with it, too. That was that confirmed that I was the thoughts that I was having. Those were for me. Those thoughts were for me. The reason I was having the thoughts, those thoughts, like publish this book, uh, put this out there. The reason why I was getting those thoughts was because they were for me. And the feeling I had when that thought would come also confirmed it. It was a good feeling. It was exciting to think about uh, publishing my book. Very scary, but also very exciting. So I think we're getting guided all the time. We are very good at letting fear get in the way. Uh, We'll ignore those thoughts. We'll ignore those feelings. And often those feelings will get louder and louder until you have no choice but to listen. I think that happens in our, you know, midlives, that voice, it's like it grabs you and it shakes you and says, are you going to listen finally? Like, are you going to do this? And that's when People make major life changes, major life decisions, is you know, because they've ignored those thoughts and feelings for so long. So, yeah, yeah, that's something yeah. that in my book, actually, I wanted to touch on. And I do. Uh, I talk about how we have we have thoughts and feelings that are unique to us and we are supposed to listen to them. They are guiding us and. That's what I wish for anyone reading my book. Um, I've actually, strangely enough, the book is is for teenagers, but the people who have been reading it so far have been their mothers. <laughs> there you <go>. And <laughs> the feedback I've been getting has been so good because these these mothers, everyone, we've all been through hard things. That's life. Like we we go through hard things, and every time I get a comment, it's always it's always the same. It's always, this is exactly what I needed now 
or this is exactly what I needed. I would have needed as a teenager. Um, I think it's just, yeah, we all need, we all need a little bit of guidance. And I think that voice, that those feelings, those are there to guide us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about your book because I, again, have teenagers and so do a Mm -hmm. lot of my listeners. So how does your book empower teens to like to overcome the challenges? I mean, you you mentioned earlier that you some of the things that they were going through you were hyper aware of and obviously that's mm-hmm. a lot of where your content's kind of come from. So you're in the perfect position as a as a teacher and and having students in your life to be able to see those things. So how does your book kind of empower them to to overcome the challenges that we all face as teenagers? And the, and I'm just going to add to this one more quick thing. We were teenagers once, so of mm-hmm. course we're going to love reading about <laughs> yes. not only you know yeah. to heal from the things we went through all those years ago, which we have to do, but also to obviously help our our teens as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. What I've noticed when students would come see me with because they want to talk about their their challenges. All they really want is to be understood, to be listened to, and they want confirmation that they're okay and that what they're going through is normal. So when I when I wrote the book, I never wanted it to be preachy. I didn't want to be telling teenagers how to be, what to do, because they're already getting enough of that all the time. They have their parents trying to guide them in the best way, which is great, but that's our job as parents. We are there to guide them. They have teachers telling them, you know, what to do, how to do it. Uh, So I didn't want it to be preachy. So my hope is that when someone picks up my book and decides to jump to the chapter on body image, because that's what they're struggling with right now. I want them to feel seen. I want them to feel understood. And I want them to know that it's okay. Uh, and that they have the they have what it takes to get through this hard thing, this hard season. Uh, so every chapter, I have 14 topics. Every chapter is divided into two parts. The first part is a story so that my readers can find themselves in this in this story so they can relate uh, to whatever challenges is is, um, discussed in that chapter. And the second part, uh, the second part of every chapter is kind of it's the takeaways, what we can learn from this. It's a lot of my own uh things that I've been through or people I'm close to have been through. Uh, But it's told, I feel like everything is told through stories. It's hard to get teenagers to read in the first place. So I I wanted it to be uh, accessible. I wanted it to be easy to read. And I also wanted someone who uh, wants guidance in one particular challenge to be able to jump to that chapter and read it and um, and get what they need from that chapter. And yeah. every chapter is important. And I, in my prologue, I suggest that, you know, you can jump to any chapter you want, but you should read all the chapters because even though you're not going through that particular challenge at this moment, 
you might one day, or you might know someone going through that challenge. Mm. And it just, it makes you understand a little bit more about, um, about the challenge and how to get through it. But my biggest, biggest lesson in my book, I hope, I hope it was clear is that we have the answer within us. So my readers aren't going to go through the book and have a three-step process to follow to get through a challenge. It's more uh, about inspiring them to go inward and find the answer that they already have within them. Yeah. Does that. that make sense? Yeah. And it's so true because that's that's the basis of self-reflection anyway, right? Like mm-hmm. we all have wisdom within us. We all we we all tend to look outside of us for the answers to things. Mm-hmm. But yes, most of the absolutely. time when we turn and look in the mirror, everything we need mm-hmm. to see or understand is right there. Yes. Yeah. I want to go back to you brought up the subject of body image as one of your mm-hmm. chapters. Like if we were to kind yes. of dig into any area mm-hmm. <laughs> of your book, yeah. you picked the right one because <laughs> I, no wonder mum's reading it. I mean, I am 45 and I still want to be seen and understood. Yes, like that absolutely. is not that is a human thing. That is not something mm-hmm. that's just unique to teenagers. And so yes. when it comes to our body, like when we get older, our body changes, right? Mm-hmm. So our body is not the same; it doesn't respond the same to exercise or sleep or food or anything. And so mm-hmm. we need to have that same advice as mums. Mm-hmm. So I love that they're getting they're getting that feedback from them. Yeah. What yes. if we could dig into that one thing? Like what was what was the story that you told around that or or how does that kind of, you know, that chapter play into what you're just talking mm-hmm. about? Okay, so the the chapter on body image starts with, uh, so the, the chapter is divided into two parts. The first part follows a young girl who struggles with an eating disorder. Uh, she doesn't like what she looks like. She doesn't like looking in the mirror. She, she's, and it's kind of a, I, she goes through cycles of, you know, um, refraining from eating and then, you know, feeling guilty when she eats and all that. Something that's very, I feel like a lot of us have, have gone through Mm. in the second part. So the part where I kind of discuss that situation, that, that story, uh, and the the challenge, but not that I discuss the story. I never go and like talk about the story. The story is there to illustrate the the challenge. In the second part um, of this particular chapter, I talk about things that I've noticed in relation to body image. And one of the the biggest things I've noticed is that we all have insecurities. We all have parts of our our bodies that we might feel insecure about. I say we all do. Maybe some people don't, but often we'll, we'll find something that we don't like. Um, and that thing, that part of us that we don't like is what we're noticing in other people. So for instance, if someone is self-conscious about the size of their nose, uh, they'll notice everyone else's nose. And, or if you're self-conscious about your midsection, you know, like, oh, my, my, I'm carrying too much weight around my, my stomach. You'll notice everyone else's stomach. And 
One thing that I found very interesting in, um, I was about, I was between um, maternity leaves. So I just had a baby, I think, and I had gained some weight. I was self-conscious about what I looked like. And I was, um, and I talk about this story in the book. I was uh, hanging out with some friends and one of my friends who is, in my opinion, and in lots of people's opinion, I'm sure, absolutely gorgeous and and perfect. Like she, she's she's got a great personality. She is, um, she's got you know great hair and flawless skin, and she's just gorgeous and a beautiful person inside and out. And she looked at me and she's like, "Your ankles, like your ankles are so perfect. I can't." I can't do anything to get my ankles to look like that. It doesn't matter how much I, you know, work out and whatever. I can't get my ankles to look like that. And I was, I was taken aback. I was like, why are you, what, what? Like you are looking at my ankles and in here, I'm looking at you like, oh, you're just, you couldn't be any more perfect, but she was self-conscious about her ankles. And I think we're a lot like that. We'll notice these things in, in everyone else. Um, I do give a few tips on how to, um, like embrace the body that we're in and yeah, little, um, I just give little things to think about. Like, this is your body. This is who you are. This is your vehicle. Like this is, this is what you were given and hating it or looking at it and hating certain parts of it is really doing nothing for you. It's Mm -hmm. not helping. It's not helping Mm -hmm. at all. And I encourage people to look at, or I encourage my readers to look at other things because we are more than what we look like. We are, that's the least, the least interesting thing about us is what we look like. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. So we live in this world where we're constantly being told what we should look like and how big we should be and what the picture of perfection is like, yeah. Oh, such a big issue. Yes. I just thought it would be fun to dig into to one of the yeah. things you talked about. But, yeah, I think that that one is going to resonate with a lot of us moms. Well, it's one of my sure. favourite chapters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised that's the one you chose. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about you started to talk earlier about how things are now. So you've written the book. It's published. It's out there. People are reading it. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're getting amazing feedback from mm-hmm the readers, which is awesome and always needed when you put something fresh and that comes from your heart out in the world. What's been the biggest impact on you um, sort of Mm -hmm. post-publishing? Okay, uh, lots of things. Um, I'll start with how amazing it feels to do something that is way out of my comfort zone. I, it w- it's really scary. I, in those two years, um, when I, in my first two years as principal, when I didn't have any creative energy left, I feel like part of that was also fear holding me back. And it was easier to forget that I was working on this project and kind of just put it to the side it was easier to do that than to actually move forward with it. But once you do something that is that scary and you're on the other side of it, 
and it's it's really not that bad. <laughs> um, it just feels amazing. It just it now I'm now I'm thinking what else can I do? Uh, I just got asked to speak to a couple groups of young um, cadets in a couple weeks, and that's it's something that I've been wanting to do. I got asked without a date in mind. And then today they messaged the date that they were looking at. And I was like, oh, my first reaction was like, oh, that's in two weeks. That's not in like two months. So I was thinking, oh, I'd have a lot of time to pre- prepare for this presentation. But I'm like, oh, it's in two weeks. And right away I wrote back and said, yes, because if if I don't, if I don't do it, I'll never do it. I need mm. to feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, and there's something that feels really good about that. The second thing is when I've noticed that I've gone through seasons of my life where I felt less inspired and that's, and it's, and it's normal. And I've, I, I think those, those seasons are important. I think we need seasons of rest and, and we need to listen to, to our, our bodies and our, our, ourselves too. Like when, if we need to go through, through a season like that, we, we should, we should, and it's okay. But I've also gone through seasons of, you know, where I felt extremely inspired. And right now I, I feel inspired. So I feel like I have goals and I can reach these goals. And because of that, because I'm feeling inspired, every other part of my life feels just a little bit better I feel like I am a better mom. I feel like I am a better wife. Um, I feel like I'm spending way more time doing things that I want to do. I am a lot more patient with my kids. I dance in the kitchen a lot more often. I it 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 has this ripple effect. And the opposite is true. When you're when you're not, when you when you feel stuck and uninspired. It has a ripple effect on every other part of your life. So right now I am in a good place and it is, everything is, you know, this feeling is, is not forever. So I'm embracing it now. I know that I could go through another season of, of rest and that's okay. But for now I feel inspired and everything feels just a little bit more uh, calm. I feel like my, my family life is a lot more peaceful Um, so yeah. And that happens when like, we all have, we all have a creative side. I believe we all have, we're all meant to be creative in one way or another. And it's not necessarily writing a book and it's not necessarily, you know, drawing or, or painting or, but we all have this creative side. And when we tap into it, it has an effect on every other part of our life. I feel like our, I don't know if you talk about, well, I know, I do know you, t- I've listened to almost all your, <laughs> your podcasts, uh, just like the, your vibration is different yeah. and you're, you're more self-expressed. Yes, absolutely. The really beautiful so think- thing about that is it gives everyone else around you to be the same. So then you get it yes. reflected back to you, which is just so yes. cool. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it, I'm just getting started. I, I have a lot of lot of things I want to accomplish, but I'm not putting any pressure on myself to get it done in a certain 
timeline. I am kind of going with the flow and seasons will change and I will change through those seasons, but I'm embracing it as I go. It's so true because the reason I asked you that is because quite a lot of us are in a stage where our kids are older, they don't need us as much, we have time. We have time to start to think about some of the things that we put on the shelf when we were younger to take care of our family and to put the needs of those that we love ahead of our own. And, you know, I'm all about, you know, freeing ourselves from abandoning that sense of self and rediscovering it in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've come on the show to share how you've stepped into this you know, being an author and putting a book out mm-hmm. into the world and how the impact that that's had on you and the people around you. And what I really hope that having you and, and hearing your story does is inspire those of us listening that are wondering what their next chapter, I would say it's like the second chapter of our life begins when we've mm-hmm. raised our family and they're our first success, right? Our kids are our first success story. So that we've you know, we we didn't, they didn't, <laughs> they're still here. They've made it to adulthood. Yeah. We didn't fail. <laughs> that's what yeah. I was trying to say. And so <laughs> that's like our first success story. And there's so much wisdom in that journey for us to tap mm-hmm. into and take with us forward into the next chapter of our life that we need to t- slow down. Like you said, we need to slow down and and let that bubble up to the surface, let that creativity and that curiosity come forth. And it's not always going to come from something quite uh, major and traumatic, I suppose, like you've been through, but we have, you have that wisdom from your mm-hmm. days as a teacher, from your days of dealing with teenagers. And I just am so inspired by how you've t- tapped into that and created something that you're proud of and something that is going to help so many people, uh, myself included. I am very much looking forward to reading your book. I wish I could say I've already read it. <laughs> uh, I have about four books on the go at the moment, which I always do. So I must, um, I must add it is on my list already. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's going to help me to have better conversations with my teenagers and also that I'm going to be sharing it with a number of the mums in my life that uh, mm. that could also do with listening to that, my sister being one of them. So thank you very much for coming well, on the show. I do just want to give you one of more opportunity just to say anything else that's on your heart that you really wanted to make sure that you uh, got across in, in this conversation because I don't want to cut you short. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I just want to add one thing. Um, just because your podcast is called Free to Be You, and we're talking about how I walked into something that was out of my comfort zone, and that takes courage, and mm-hmm. uh, it takes you know putting that fear aside and doing it anyway. And l- some of your listeners might be, you know, they might have that that thought. You know, I want to do this because we all have, you know, we have, we put things on hold, like you said, when we're raising kids, but that doesn't go away. That, that desire to do something 
uh, meaningful or cre- creative. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. We all want to do something and it doesn't have to be major. We all want, you know, we, we all want great lives in one way or another. And I, um, if anyone is wondering if it's worth it, I've already talked about how my life has, you know, seen the ripple effect of, of me walking into something that felt scary, but our children are watching us, even if they're, you know, out of the house, if they've left the nest, they're watching us. And what better message can we send than to pursue our own dreams? Like what, you know, imagine what they're seeing and what they're feeling, knowing that their mom or their dad or their caregiver is is doing something for them, is taking care of themselves. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be anything really huge. Like we we if someone has a goal to um, I don't know, do more physical activity. If you set a goal and you actually you know follow through with it that feels great. And that has a ripple effect in its own way too. It doesn't have to be, you know, I want to do this crazy humongous project. It can be something very, very simple. If you want, if you have the goal of, you know, fixing a relationship, that's, that's not where you want it to be. Like that's, that's great. If, and if you do it, you'll feel great. You feel, you feel like you've accomplished something and our kids are watching us and they, they're learning from us too. And we want them to walk into their own truth and walk into their own um, dreams and, and pursue those. So they'll, we can talk about it as much as we want, but unless we're actually doing it, you know, actions speak louder than words is what I would like to tell your audience. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Perfect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I love that because that's a big mantra of mine as well. Be the example or be the change Mm -hmm. you want to see. And that doesn't have to be in the world, which follows the actual quote, it could be just in your right. family or in your life, like be the change. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Such great advice. Well, thank you again for coming on. And I know you. that you are already a member of my mm. Freed to Rediscover You community, which I love having you a part of. Uh, but if you haven't yet joined, I would love you to come and join my community where we can chat more about what it looks like to pursue something new. You can chat to Mel because she's in there uh, and be brave enough to just put yourself out there. It's the environment to do it. So you'll find the link for that in the show notes for this episode. What you'll also find in the show notes of this episode is a link to take the opportunity to buy Mel's book. So we'll put the link for that in there as well and some social handles so you can get in touch with her. But Mel, uh, thank you for being here. And if you're listening to this and you know of another mum that could listen to this amazing conversation and be inspired, please share this. And just remember, like I always say, we end these shows every week. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is our life. It's the life we have, the life we're living, yet one of them in this body, in this set of circumstances. So it's time, now is the time to be you, to rediscover that real sense of self and go out and live it in the world. Until next week, have an amazing day 
smell. So you see. Thank you. This was a lot of fun.